0: Brand is more important than it's ever been. Companies that grew up with passerby readers are dead. And If you don't have a consumer who's actively looking for your content, it is very difficult to build ancillary business models.
1: If you look at what Snapchat's doing with advertising and storytelling, it's clear that digital can be more than the thing that we think it is.
0: Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Sahil Patel, senior reporter for Digiday. This week we're joined by Howard Schimmel, Chief Research Officer at Turner. Howard, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Howard, so uh, Turner, big media company, right? Uh, known for, for TBS, TNT, all these like television institutions. Uh, is TV still Turner's biggest platform today?
1: Um, if you think about it from the standpoint of audience, it is. Um, but if you think about where our opportunity grows, I think it's everything but TV. Um, you know, we think about digital. We think about over the top. We think about direct to consumer. So there are all these ancillary businesses that we think are going to grow and help protect us from what's going on in the in sort of the traditional TV ecosystem, where just by the nature of consumer choice, ad advertiser choice, those that ecosystem is a little challenged. Would you say TV is still a growth medium, though? Um, it is a. It's a great question. Um, I think from a sheer audience perspective, it's probably flat. Um, but the challenge that we have is that the total audience may be flat, but it's the audience has sort of moved the the conversation you and I had around. You know, I watched Game of Thrones five days after the premiere. You know, what we're dealing with is the fact that audiences are moving away from watching in the traditional window that we monetize, which is three or seven days. They're watching on cable VOD, they're watching on DVR, and and just by the sheer nature of how many great original shows there are, they're just watching further away from premiere date than they've ever done. So when we add up all of the time that someone might watch an episode of Animal Kingdom, that's flat to what it used to be. But it's just that so much of the audience is beyond seven days that it's harder for us to monetize.
0: Could you give a sense of uh, uh, within sort of Turner uh, what that's like? You just mentioned Animal Kingdom, but like how much of the viewership happens in that in that first first day or first three day window, and how much of it is later on catching up on VOD or digital platforms?
1: Yeah, it's it's significant. I mean, for an original show, probably a third of the audience is within the first three days. Two thirds is beyond that. So it's material, um, you know, again, it it gets back to there's so much great consumer choice. Um, and, and they're so, you know, there aren't that many, and, and again, what we, you and I spoke about a second ago, you know, uh, everybody probably was, af- was afraid of having, you know, running into someone who just blurted to them the, the finality of what happened in, in Game of Thrones. There aren't that many shows where you feel the need to get caught up quickly because you either want to be a part of the social buzz and the social chatter or you just don't want someone to
0: spoil it for you. Right.
1: Um, so it, it's material and it's getting worse every and, year. And
0: you said it's uh, it's difficult or more difficult uh, to monetize in, in, the, in the longer window versus the initial few days. Um, what would you sort of say are the reasons why it remains difficult to do that? So a couple of
1: things. One is um, technology. Um, we need more of the the MVPD, the cable operator infrastructure to allow us to serve ads into cable VOD um, so that if someone watches, um, you know, Animal Kingdom two weeks after the air date, we're able to monetize that exposure. Uh, the, other, the other part of it is it gets to, um, you know, just sort of the rigidity around the TV ad model, you know. I mean, think about it. In 2007, we decided C3 was a metric. Mm-hmm. And and we decided we needed one standard that was um, used for everything. And you know, we, we haven't really modified that, um, that metric as sort of people's viewing behavior has changed. I always, you know, if you think about the way digital video works now, um, an advertiser tells us of flight dates. We serve video ads to our content within those flight dates. And nobody cares about when the show was originally broadcast. It's irrelevant to that business model. You know, you think about if it's a brand, and I understand if it's a movie and if someone time shifts the ad to the Monday after opening weekend and the movie doesn't open, how that exposure is not worth anything to the movie studios. But if you're consumer packaged goods company, if you're um, a fast food company, if you're a retailer who's doing stuff that's not around a specific weekend like Labor Day weekend back to school, I'm not sure why we don't get paid for a DVR playback that happens on day 14. I mean, Nielsen tells us that the ad was watched. I mean, we're looking at a commercial minute if it's within the advertiser's flight dates, I think we ought to be paid. And I think some of it is just the TV ad model hasn't shown the ability to sort of adapt quickly. Um, You know, you did hear, you know, we've done more C7 deals this year than we did last year. I think you heard some press this year about CBS doing some C35 deals. I mean, we ought to just you know, as as an industry, we just got to do a better job of capturing those impressions. Because the impressions make it seem like TV is becoming less effective, your question earlier. Um, when it's really not, it's just... So consum- let me ask you
0: that. Do you, do you think... Uh- would you say TV is still the most effective advertising medium or has that given way to some of the the newer places that you can you can advertise on?
1: No, I you know, we see um, and we've done a lot of research. There's also been great research done by ABC did a great piece with Accenture. We just released something with market share uh, where even though people are watching TV differently, the effectiveness of an exposure on TV driving advertiser KPIs be it sales be it brand awareness um, that has not diminished at all, um, and and TV still is stronger than um, digital video, social banner, newspapers. So so and actually, I think one of the things that's interesting is, um, you've seen a bit of course correction. I mean, think about Procter as an example of an advertiser. You know, a couple of years ago, a lot of Procter and a lot of other companies thought they needed to move a lot of dollars to digital um, because they thought that's where the audience was going. They have great data behind it. Um, and it turns out that Procter in the last two years have, has course corrected and moved dollars back to TV. Right. I mean, they're a company that's doing it because they know what drives a cash register. Could
0: you give me an example in terms of uh, when it comes to some of those KPIs? How how much more effective television can be versus digital video and some of the other other mediums that advertisers can use?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's up to four times as great mm-hmm. um, than
0: than. Um, then things like banner advertising and things like, you know, newspapers, things like that. So one of the more interesting things for me, and, and Turner's been one of the companies that has been at the forefront at this, is this move by television to be more data backed when it comes to when it comes to advertising. First, I'd love to get your thoughts on what's the latest at Turner in terms of bringing that uh, ethos into the into the advertising model.
1: Yeah, it, it's a great question. It, it's hugely important. Um, And it's important for our ecosystem. Uh, So let let, let me start in the beginning or sort of the the far beginning. Um, As an industry, we started trading off of age sex demographics in the early 60s. Lyndon Johnson, I think, was president when we started to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you sort of think about the country was not as fragmented as it it is now. Um, Consumer markets were not as fragmented. I'll bet if we looked at it, you'd see that. You know, brands had 40, 50 share of market. And, you know, the reality, you know, we created these big, um, very generic age sex demographics like women 18 to 49, and those stayed the same, even though the way people watch TV was different, Um, you know, markets fragmented tremendously. Um, and, and sort of every day, age, sex demographics became less and less relevant. And I was, I'm a sucker for a joke when I'm, I'm, I'm on a conference stage. And uh, I always use this one where, you know, what industry would put Lady Gaga and Sarah Palin in the same group? Well, when we're, they're both women 25 to 54. Right. So when someone is buying women 25 to 54 for whatever brand, they evaluate them the same, even though they are gen tremendously different so it's just to make the point that we need to get away from that Mm -hmm. it served its purpose um but it's you know we know we could do better and um you know we've been aggressive at um taking advantage of there are a lot of really great data sets available in the market um, whether it's nielsen having connected their tv viewing panel to catalina marketing which measures um use a store loyalty card data and measure what you buy when you walk in the Kroger's or or um you know any other fast uh, any other um supermarket. Um Comscore Compscore Rentrack has data where they link set top box data to what cars are in your driveway. Um so we're we're blessed with these really great data sets. And what we started three years ago was rolling out a set of ad products where what we're doing is we're using those data sets. We're applying all of the standard things we do around managing our inventory in terms of estimates and and using estimates to um, optimize schedules. But instead of doing it for age sex, we're doing it for an advertiser's marketing target. Mm. Um, The first product we launched was a product called um, Targeting Now. And what targeting now basically did was, and it was really sort of an easy step into this world was basically it didn't attempt to change an advertiser's mix. How much, how much inventory was in prime time versus daytime versus early fringe. All targeting now did was basically say, let's use this audience data to optimize the placement of spots to get the advertiser more of the audience target they care about. Mm. Hugely successful. Um, Two years ago, we um, we launched a product called Audience Now, which basically does that, but it's across the Turner portfolio, forgets about age sex demographics, forgets about prior rotations, and just spends the money to optimize against the audience
0: it includes uh, not just linear tv but digital platforms uh owned by by Turner as well
1: the, the first focus has been on linear mm-hmm. um we're attempting to make it cross-platform one of the challenges we have is that there aren't that many data sets that allow you to identify the same target in tv and on digital video mm-hmm. so the focus originally has been in, in on linear um you know the the thing and i, I I, I talk about this all the time, which is, I think sometimes we, we, we love to talk about sort of the sexiness of the products. Um, and we forget to start with a very simple thing, which is when you optimize against an audience and you eliminate waste, cause every, you know, there's waste, you know, I never go to fast food restaurants. Um, you know, Jen is probably a light, uh, Walmart shopper. And if, um, you know, if we're able to make sure our schedules are delivering less fast food impressions to me, Walmart impressions to Jen, you're going to drive a higher ROI with your TV spending than if you just ignore that data. And, and it, so I think people have, we've, we've, I don't think we've done a good enough job telling the core story, which is to every advertiser, if you, op, if you optimize against audience, you're going to drive a higher ROI for your TV spend than if you don't.
0: What would you say has been the driving reason for for this to be happening now? Right, As you mentioned, yeah. the, the, the age sex demo uh, approach has been in effect for decades. Uh, why in the last two, three years is sort of the television industry kind of saying, okay, we need to bring more data. We need to be get more granular in this platform. Is it as simple as, oh, there are two hulking giants on digital that are doing this already, and we need to be... Effective uh, and seen at, uh, you know, be as effective as they p- are proving themselves to be.
1: Yeah, I think there are a couple of things. So I, I'd start with first, there is the data out there to do this. Um, we have data across a lot of very key verticals, which which obviously we couldn't do it if we didn't have great data. Um, we have the data science behind it. Um, you know, we have a, a team of data scientists who have built a proprietary forecasting algorithm, which basically allows us to forecast at a specific day -day, date, half-hour level, the audience that we expect every one of our channels is going to deliver against an audience target. Um, The, um, you know, definitely we wanted to react to the competitive forces, especially the, you know, the two behemoths that you mentioned. Um, But then also it, it just, it's a matter of you have to improve your business model right? We, you know, if, if you know, if, if this capability existed and we didn't take advantage of us, we'd be missing a giant opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing that's sort of interesting is there, there's a Wall Street analyst from Credit Suisse who basically has talked about the fact that he believes that the TV ad model will grow tremendously over the next 10 years, mainly because of this targeting capability you know, look, we're, right now we're targeting at the spot level, right? Um, but eventually, either through virtual MVPDs, through our own over-the-top devices, or through cable MVPDs, when they rewire and build the technology, we'll be able to be addressable down to the individual set-top box, set level. And And his view is when we do that, because of TV's power to get reach, to have add Ed units that have impact. His belief is that targeting in all of the flavors is going to be net positive to the case. Let me ask you the-
0: one, one question on that front. In in terms of addressable, in terms of the, of the ability to, to reach people at an individual level on television, isn't TV supposed to be a branding medium where you're supposed to do scaled buys, reach a lot of people? Isn't that what ha- has been proven to be the best at versus trying to get that granular as as advertisers can do on Google, Facebook, etc.?
1: Yeah, I think... It's a great, it's a great debate because I think the idea is if you could reach 80% of the people you care about in a week, in a high impact, you know, with great, you know, with great creative, I think the question then just becomes, be careful about how hyper target you target, right? Because again, go back to my example Um, really Wendy's and McDonald's doesn't want me. Okay. And I don't care what medium it is. I'm not going to react to a fast food restaurant. It's just not part of what I do. And, and I, so I think the thing, I think the, one of the lessons, and and there's, there's an, an industry group we pay a lot of attention to called the Ehrenberg Bass Institute. Um, they're Australian. They've done a lot of research around how brands grow and, and they're, always cautioning people to say you don't want to target your heaviest view, your heaviest consumers, because at the end of the day, there are two things that happen that make that dangerous. First of all, they just can't buy you anymore, right? You know, if I buy orange juice every week and Tropicana advertises to me, I'm not going to buy more orange juice because I buy as much as I need to drink. Um, But then also that there's all of this churn that this year's heavy user doesn't, isn't a heavy user next year. And their view is always target category law, target people who are in the category, right? And so, you know, again, I think it comes back to don't hyper target, but if you could eliminate most of the waste, why not do that?
0: You're, 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 you know the waste doesn't the waste just is de minimis to your ROI speaking of waste let's talk about digital and social platforms for a second um, what uh, what are the metrics that matter for you guys on on digital and social today
1: well uh, so uh, let's separate it into a
0: couple of buckets um,
1: you know obviously there are there is sort of the base table stakes metrics which are you know, lack of fraud, lack of bot traffic, and viewability. I mean, those are just, I think, the, the metrics that, you know, it's sort of like nobody ever, you know, we never had to think about what a TV rating was. You know, it was defined right. a long time ago. We accepted what it was. Um, you know, I think it, digital is still sort of working out what that core, you know, table stakes audience measure is. Um, but then beyond it, it is, you know, it's it's engagement, it's relevance to the, you know, it's relevance of the content to the advertiser. And then at the end of the day, it will become a ROI. I mean, I think one of the, one of the you know, I, there's, a, uh, there's a long list of pressing media research needs that we're always thinking about every day. And um, one of them is better measure of the impact of social. Mm. um digital is pretty good in terms of measuring roi Mm. social not so much
0: what are your thoughts on uh this has been a a debate that has been going on uh for a long time i think amplified once facebook really made an investment in getting more video on its platform what are your thoughts on views as a metric uh do you see them as valuable is it just a a vanity metric i'd love to get your opinion on that
1: yeah um i mean it's a start of a metric right right um but but i don't think it i mean go back to um what was it 2 years ago when when yahoo uh, aired the uh the nfl game from london mm-hmm. and their what was uh, their first metric out was unique reach and it turned out that if you had visited the homepage that day the player was embedded in the homepage and it was auto playing and yeah. it was auto playing and they you know they're out saying this thing you know this game had a 14 rating um or 14 million people, I forget what the number is. Um, Views are important, but, I mean, look, one of the things that's sort of interesting if you think about Facebook um, or any of the platforms for us is we don't only, you know, obviously we're watching them because they want to get really great content. They believe they can build a great ad experience, and, and that ad experience will compete with us. Um, but also, they're another place for us to go to, to get our content socialized and get our content exposed. And so, you know, if we were thinking about it, a view would be, you know, if we're thinking about um, next season, we're going to premiere Animal Kingdom on Facebook mm-hmm. as a way to just sort of get some momentum behind the premiere, we wouldn't look at views, we would look at views, but we would look at time spent viewing. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think it's just one piece of it, but it's not the whole. Is
0: piece. that is that the, the key one? Because uh, uh, we have seen some digital publishers focus more on completion rates or time spent viewing, sort of those duration metrics. Yeah. Is is that sort of the next evolution when it comes to uh, companies that are investing in? in in at least premium or high-end video to look at stuff beyond the view and see how people how much time people actually spend with the stuff
1: yeah they have to be um and and you know and
0: and, And that's closer to tv too right yeah
1: but 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 also separated from there's the content part of it about how engaged are people you create a you know you create a three-minute branded piece of content um and you distribute it through social how how engaged are people you know, are people staying for the whole three minutes or they dropping off after 13 seconds, then separate from, you know, I, with, with some of the things that group M has done around their viewability metric the you know, the reality is I think completion rate is going to become a part of, uh, of a, of a digital currency metric, um, and I, I also got to believe that that's something that may actually transfer into TV when we think about over the top and other things like that, mm-hmm. where where we could actually measure that. I mean, the, you know, the challenge now with Nielsen is you can't measure completion rate because all of their data is is, is granular at the minute level. Mm-hmm. We don't actually see what's going on for the specific seconds of a given advertiser.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you sit on the board of, of the Media Rating Council, the, the MRC. Um... Uh, I believe they're working on something that's uh, a duration-based uh, uh, rating system. Is that yep. correct? Yep. And uh, do you do you see sort of that being part of this 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 trend going forward in terms of getting more people to adopt measuring things in a in a, in, in that kind of way?
1: Yeah. Um. The thing I like about the MRC. For, so first of all, I'll do a, a one-minute commercial for the MRC because. <laughs> I I think people underestimate its importance to our business. You know, the fact that you have um a group of people who are committed to research quality and they're committed to research transparency. Um and and that, you know, we, you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of an old TV guy having spent most of my career in the TV business, but we actually pay a lot of attention to the MRC accreditation as a uh you know, as, as sort of a, a symbol of quality that you're dealing with something that's highly valuable. And we expect that any new vendor that's going to crop up on the scenes is going to be go through the MRC process. And, you know, the good thing is the research companies are better by that process because the MRC isn't just sort of yes or no, you've passed accreditation or you don't. They help to make the product better. Um, and then, and I, I love the idea that sort of following what they did with viewability that the MRC is starting to think about being sort of a, a standard setter because they don't have any skin in the game right they're not they're not biased to you know they're not a publisher so they want to say you know a you know a, a quarter of a second view counts for an ad exposure
0: um, and so then why would you say that uh- There has been such slow adoption of them, right? I think, I mean, I'm just going to count the list right now. Snapchat, Amazon, uh, Twitter, like all of these companies, big vendors, um, have yet to embrace or open their doors to the MRC. Why is that the case? If they are sort of this paragon of of neutrality.
1: Yeah, you know, I think you'd have to ask them. I I honestly believe they're missing something. Um, and, And... you know, I think the other the other question, and it's been, you know, I mean, if you think about Facebook and some of the measurement issues they've had over the last couple of years, um, one of the things they've always come out and said is that their measurement issues haven't affected their transacting with advertisers, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, there may be reporting metrics that have, that have had to be f- corrected, but nothing in terms of sort of how much money they take from a given advertiser. Um, I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know. I, I think part of the challenge is it's time consuming and it's expensive to to engage with the MRC, um, and maybe there are certain people who don't believe it's it's the appropriate time. I, it, if I were in their shoes, I would actually have a totally different perso- point you, of view.
0: But do you do and do you see that happening in terms of just you know? more companies willing to to be audited by them and, and welcoming them welcoming them into the fold yeah yeah
1: yeah I mean if, if you know if, if you ever did one of these with George Ivey, the uh, the uh, executive director he would tell you that they have a bunch of audit work that's going on for some of these companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think slowly it's getting there
0: now, uh going back towards uh, t- televisions uh, television for a bit, uh, one of the big themes out of the upfronts this year was uh, I don't want to say uh, gleefully bashing the platforms, but there was that sense of like, you know, after the missteps that some of the big big uh, p- platforms YouTube and Facebook in particular have had recently, there was this sense of like, hey, this isn't easy, but you can feel comfortable working with, uh, working with us because that's never been an issue. Um, in terms of when you see these big platforms struggling with with, with, with measurement, uh, uh, with advertising, what do you think? Is it just like, hey, welcome, welcome to our world, finally? Like, how do you view that when you see that when you see Google and Facebook make these missteps?
1: Yeah, look, I think um, I think the thing to be careful about is they'll get their act together, mm-hmm. you know. So. Any, you know, it's clear that some of the robustness of the TV market the last year and a half has been because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, so I, I think you want to just be careful because they will fix their measurement issues. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt that they're committed to that and that they have the right people. You know, the, the thing, the thing that as an industry we lack and you know, hopefully at some point, whether it's Nielsen or Comscore or whoever um, fixes this is real clarity around the role every medium and every platform plays in the success of an advertiser campaign. And because, look, I don't believe that, um, you know, that an ad in someone's Facebook newsfeed Is the same value to an advertiser as an add-on Animal Kingdom. And and I think sometimes we we hear that and think the dollars are sort of replaceable when they're really not. And you know, I think if we ever got our act if we ever got measurement fixed, we would actually know if you think about sort of a media plan, where does Facebook fit? Where does Facebook in its different flavors fit versus where does TV advertising fit? Um, we just did a bunch of work around um, the automotive category and the consumer decision journey. And and sort of, you know, think about it as, you know, that's a journey that starts when you realize you need to buy a new car, you know, and it ends when you've bought the car and, and you know, then you're, you know, doing all the post, post-purchase work. And... You know, as, as when you slice that into different stages, what you're able to see from that research is that different media plays has, is relevant at different stages. And, and so, you know, I mean, long way of saying that, um, you know, as an industry, we got to get better at that because, you know, I actually think Facebook and TV should coexist. We work with each other and it's not, it's not, we, we're not really competing for the same dollars. Um, so, even
0: though everyone likes to believe that, but, that that's but, happening, but we're not, and and you know, yeah, we're not. Well, what do you what do you make of then uh, when some of these platforms go into the kind of kind of programming that has traditionally been on television, yeah. whether it's live sports, half hours, etc. Would that would that change your mind when it comes to you know the ability of the platforms more directly competing for for television dollars? Yeah,
1: I mean, look if if. If there is Facebook video on an app on someone's smart TV and it's using all of the data Facebook has to target and it's also using all the data Facebook has to get, you know, make sure relevant programs are being surfaced to the right people, that's competitive. Mm -hmm. You know, I I almost think about it, you know, and and maybe it's a little oversimplification, but, you know, it maybe starts with the screen. You know, and then what you're doing on the screen, and then you sort of path out
0: from there. Well, Howard, this was great. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And tune in next week for another episode of the DigiDay Podcast.